Yeah, I mean, so the Americans are just going around swapping all the salt for all the sugar, and it's causing <laughs> chaos. Right, the tea's bad enough already, and then you put salt in it, and it's just, you know. to sustain a babble 95 95 crikey moses we are your friendly little environment podcast all about people and the planet and what on earth all the babble is about anyway and what have we got coming up this week oh well dave do you know of any places in germany yeah name one Berlin. Another one. Heidelberg. <laughs> Another one. Dusseldorf. Right, you're not playing. We're going to talk about Bonn. We're going to talk to somebody who's in Bonn, because there's stuff going on in Bonn that no one's talking about, but it's important stuff in Bonn about the climate and how it's all going to be, um, well, how we're all going to be saved, hopefully. It's going to be Bonn. It's going to be Bonn. It's going to be Bonn. Tell you what else we're going to be talking about is a bonnie lad from bonnie scotland who's done some bonnie stuff surprisingly and that is that environment secretary michael gove who's gone and boshed it to the pesticide industry and it's all confusing because he might be doing good stuff anyway we're going to be talking about that oh tresbon tres tresbon you might tres-bon. say Dave. so uh before we get on with any of that just the usual disclaimer we do work for environmental charities but these are very much our own views and the views of the guests what we're about to have on it in a bit so have you got any problem with anything that we say uh take it up with me or him or our guest but not with anyone for whom we work. Otherwise, we shall come round to your house and spray insect-destroying pesticides on your private areas. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's get on with it. Crikey, that's horrible. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. And I want to have them answered immediately. Crikey Moses, I did not know that. So, crikey Moses, I did not know that. Did not know what? Well, I did not know that there is like a massive climate talk shindig going on. And the reason I did not know that is because no one's writing about it in any news outlet at all. And I'm being slightly disingenuous. Yeah, you did know about it because I I told you that's what we're going to do this episode of the podcast. I didn't know anything about it. It's a rhetorical device, Dave. I feel like episode 90, whatever we're in, we can do do these things. Yes. The point is no one's talking about it, but it's one of those massive, incredibly important global era defining things that will um, well decide whether or not Pacific Islands are going to exist or not, that sort of thing. Or is it all a bit shit and boring? Well, uh, that that is uh, a question I don't know the answer to, but as luck would have it, I know someone who does, uh, and that is the wise and wonderful Rachel Kennelly, who is an international climate campaigner for Friends of the Earth, and she's in Bonn, which is where these climate shindigs are going on, so we decided to have a chat to her. Oh, Bonn. Bonn, Trez Bonn. Bonn. Hello, Rachel. 
Hi. Hello, Rachel. Where the bloody hell are you? Uh, I am currently in, uh, I think it's a suburb of Bonn, Germany, uh, but it might be a village outside of Bonn. It's quite <laughs> forested. There's a very nice castle. Uh, and this is the nearest accommodation I could get to the uh, conference centre where the COP23 climate talks are happening. Where the, where the what is happening? The, the, uh, the who? The who? Uh, so the, the who? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Out here in the fields. The who are not here. Or rather, <laughs> I haven't seen the who. Al, Al Gore is here. Ooh. he's got he's got a film out so i'm not surprised yeah exactly he's he's um yeah climate change is kind of his thing mm. no no so i'm here for the cop which stands for conference of parties which is uh and it's the 23rd one of these conferences of parties hence cop 23 ah so so this is where all of the nations of the world come together and agree how they're definitely going to save the planet is that right in theory yeah and, and is that and is that happening uh, well, all the nations of the world have come together in one huge conference centre, or in fact, more like two huge tented cities uh, in Bonn in November. It's it's freezing, as you can imagine. Um, what they're all doing, all these countries have got together and um, they're trying to work out what they're going to do under the Paris Agreement. So you may have heard of the Paris Agreement. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, yes. I was there. I signed it, didn't you all? Uh, yes, it was down to me. Yeah. <laughs> Go back and listen to episode 37 for more on the Paris Agreement. Excellent. So the Paris Agreement uh, was kind of uh, agreed in 2015, and then it's all been, it's been ratified by uh, basically every country in the world, but I'm sure we'll come back to uh, the caveat on that one later. Um, and But what, what kind of... The newspapers and the media didn't report when kind of there's this big celebration about the Paris Agreement being signed and how they were going to keep us to two degrees maximum of warming or possibly, hopefully, really hopefully, 1.5 degrees of warming because that's where uh, stuff really starts going wrong for lots of lots of people all over the world, um, was that they didn't actually specify how they were going to meet the Paris Agreement. Uh, mm. See, <laughs> yeah, they took a bit of a shortcut there. Okay, so so is that what's happening now? Are people trying to work out how how we do it? And, and am I right in thinking that what countries have have so far pledged to do after the Paris Agreement gets us no way near two degrees? Precisely, in, in, in a bad way. <laughs> in a bad way, yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, the Paris Agreement its stated intention is to keep the world below two degrees of warming, um, and preferably one point five, um, but. If you add up all of the the pledges that all of the countries have made so far, you get to three degrees of warming or more. So the Paris Agreement doesn't actually work as it stands at the moment. Amazing. (laughs) So what are people currently sitting around in Bonn, bonning on about? Like, What what is it that you need to do in practice to take all of that highfalutin, gavel-smacking stuff and turn it into plans. Like what? What's going on? So a whole load of stuff, like a never-ending series of agenda items and technical points and technical committees and um, 
I actually kind of misled you earlier when I implied it was one meeting. It's actually about four meetings going on simultaneously. Oh, each God. Covering, yeah, I know. Each covering a different bit. So there's there's the there's a working group that's working on this this Paris rule book about how we meet the Paris Agreement, actually how we do that. So you've got all these different strands of meetings going on, and under each one, there's another kind of seemingly infinite number of kind of agenda items and subheadings and informal consultations and roundtables about particular kind of paragraphs under agenda item kind of 10F. Uh, and it's really impenetrable and really technical. And also there's a lot of politics going on. It's a bit like the Eurovision Song Contest Amazing. in that you can see kind of countries. Now, this is something I can relate to. Carry yeah. on. <laughs> you can see countries banding together into really predictable blocks, either based on, you know, uh, similarities. Oh, everyone hating like, France, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Pig, ha! You will regret your insolence, revolutionary dog. Dog, ha! You will regret your arrogance, royalist snake. Snake, ha! Look, I'm sorry to interrupt this very interesting discussion. But, but you know, so... Sometimes it's based on like what they're like as countries, like whether they have loads of forests or sometimes it's based on like where they are. So there's an Arab group, for instance, or sometimes it's just based on uh, the fact that they agree on some policies. Um, so there's like a, there's like a woody grouping. There's people with loads yeah. of trees and then there's like a lakey grouping. <laughs> I haven't met the lakey group yet, but yeah, the foresty group definitely exists. <laughs> I got a question about yep. a particular orange bastard yep. uh, who um, you may or may not have heard of called Donald Trump. And he, I don't know if you noticed this, Rachel, but he said that he doesn't want to be part of all of this anymore and he's going to pull America out. Uh, so does that mean that like America and his minions are going around kicking over all the tables and like taking people's pens away and taking out the inside and then putting the pens back um, or what? Yeah, I mean, so the Americans are just going around swapping all the salt for all the sugar, and it's causing <laughs> chaos. Right, like, tea's bad enough already, and then you put salt in it, and it's just, you know. <laughs> but um, no, so yeah, the US are a particularly disruptive influence, but it's worth saying that's not new, right? The US have always been disruptive um, in and some why, way. Why, why is that? Just they. They want to get their way and they're used to it or, or what? Yeah, yeah, they have a lot of power. They have a lot to lose because they have a huge amount of historic responsibility. And one of the uh, one of the amazing things about um, the Paris Agreement of previous agreements under the UNFCCC, which is the, like, the UN body that deals with all this climate change stuff, is that it was based on this uh, incredible acronym, um, called cbdr which is common but differentiated responsibility and we're going to play the uh, cbdr music excellent <laughs> it's very jazzy uh <laughs> and that basically that means that everybody has a responsibility to tackle climate change because it's gonna you know it's gonna shit us all up but that responsibility is not equal across all countries so, so what people who have done most to cause it should do most to sort it out is that was that what you mean exactly that is spot on unless you're unless you're america 
Unless you're America, who then kind of throws all of its toys out the pram and doesn't want to play like that. And, you know, other other kind of countries with historical responsibility as well. So most of the EU, most of Europe, Japan, Canada, you know, all the big rich countries, basically. Like America's always been a disruptive influence, right? The Paris Agreement is, you know, it is historic, We've never had an agreement that that many countries have signed up to and ratified and, you know, been so behind. So in that sense, it is historic. But if you judge it by science, as we, you know, it doesn't really work. It sets us on track for a three degree, kind of three degrees of warming. It doesn't really, you know, stand up to scrutiny. And part of the, you know, and if you dig a bit deeper, you find actually all those pledges people have made that get us three degrees or above, they're actually totally voluntary. America, and basically the reason why it's voluntary is because America negotiated it and made it voluntary. Uh, so they spent years under Obama and previous administrations weakening kind of international climate treaties and things like this. And then... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Are you, hang yeah. on, are you telling me that Barack Obama is not the international manhunk that we think he is? Has he been knocking this up as well? Yeah, I mean, you know, fancy him as much as you like, but he's not got a super record on climate either. Oh, God's sake. I know, sorry. Nothing sacred. So, yeah, but that that makes it all the more ridiculous and just cheeky and, well, no, not even cheeky, cheeky's not the word, (laughs) makes it all the more ridiculous that Trump has come along and, you know, made that big speech on the White House lawn about how he's protecting America's interests and he's, you know, he's pulling America out of the Paris Agreement because they've been forced to kind of meet all these commitments that voluntary <laughs> doesn't have to do them anyway. So to what extent are people just getting on with it anyway? And to what extent is it a problem that Trump is being a knob? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a problem. Uh, one of the main problems, as you say, they're the biggest polluter. Um, they also, they're one of the richest countries in the world, if not the richest, and they provide a lot of the budget needed to do a lot of you know, running of these these processes and, you know, providing the money to enable poorer countries to tackle climate change. Um, it is a huge problem. It's made even more problematic um, by the fact that, you know, the one silver lining of Trump pulling out of the Paris Agreement was that at least they wouldn't be in those negotiations anymore messing them up. But, oh, no, wait, they're still here. <laughs> why, why haven't you left yet? You made a big hoo-ha about leaving. Shut off. Uh, it's like your partner telling you that they're divorcing you, but in the you know the eight months that it's going to take um, for the divorce to come through, they still get a say on like how you decorate the house and when you have sex and how many kids you have. <laughs> oh, dear. That, that doesn't sound good. So, right, okay, uh, we will have more from Rachel in Bonn in a bit. But before that, something else, Bonn, eh? Anteing off of the week. What if I'm the only hero left? You better fire off your gun. So, Anti Inhoff of the Week. For anyone who hasn't been paying attention, an Inhoff is one of those people who's a knob because they do anti-environment things. But there are people who are not knobs, and this week's not knob is, confusingly, Michael Gove. We are the heroes of our time. What? Yeah. You know, uh. the, you know how he's like, he's a bit of a knob? Well... He's not, really, because he's done good stuff. 
I don't even know where to begin with all this. I'm all, I'm all beside myself, and so am I. <laughs> I can tell. Yeah. Um, so back in episode 85, Ol, we said, well, we said this. Yeah, so he's the environment secretary, Ol. That's what he is. He what? is in charge of the environment. All of it. What? All of the environment. No. He's in charge of it. And this is bad because, well, all of the greenie organisations and all of the greenie political types have gone spare about it. <laughs> Why? Yeah, we basically said that like he'd been brought in as environment secretary and that we were all like, oh, good, watch out, because Mrs. is going to come and uh, set fire to your daffodils, right? <laughs> and we were worried about it. But then last week, uh, he's gone and done a thing which has got all of the environmentalists going... Michael Gove, the sun shines out of your bottom. Uh, he said he is going to back a European ban on a thing that I know I can't say before go on, I have say a go. It, but have I'm going to say it anyway, which is neonicotinoids. No, you, you're right, you can't say it. Which is. Do you want me to have a go? Yes. Neonicotinoids. Neonicotinoids, which are <laughs> things that kill bees. Yeah? Yeah, they're pesticides. Yeah, they're, and they're very, very widespread. Every, pretty much every farm and the land uses them. Um, sometimes not knowingly, but they have been proven again and again and again to be very, very bad for the bees and for some other things. Um, and well, amazingly, despite all of that evidence, some important countries in Europe didn't want to ban it. And one of those important countries was the UK, which at the time of recording is still just about in Europe. And, um, well, he, he announced that he's changed his mind, that the UK has changed his mind, that the, the science is bad, uh, the evidence is strong, uh, and he thinks that we should ban neonicotinoids. So that means the European Union is going to do it. So hooray. And, and loads of other stuff as well. Basically, cut a long story short. Well, he's been talking a very good game as well, hasn't he? Because he, he's been saying all sorts of interesting things about soil, about how we, you know, we're knackering the soil and we've got to radically reform how we how we treat the land. And like, basically, people like George Monbiot, who's you know not always been the biggest fan of politicians, what are in charge, has been getting all cock a hoop saying this is this is exactly the sort of stuff I've wanted an environment secretary to be saying for a long time. And when George Monbiot's heaping praise on politicians about green stuff, you know you've got to you've got to pay attention. So, well, this is. This is great then, isn't it? Well, it is really good. And I think we could allow ourselves a moment babble <gasps> celebration. Yes. And babble smugness. glory. Babble smugness. Because we also said this. I think you're right about a thing, right? And the oh, thing I think you're right about is that. let's not slag him off until he's done something terrible. Then let's slag him off, right? Yes. That's basically, basically yes. what I think. <laughs> Yes, we did, Dave. And that was because when he was announced, all of the greenies, not including the babble, but everyone else went, oh, this is terrible. It's, got, it's absolutely awful. It's putting a fox in charge of the hen house. So it's, it's Armageddon. And we were right to say, well, just give him a chance and see what he does. You know, I mean, he probably will be awful, but shouldn't we wait and see? Yeah. And we were right because he hasn't been awful. No. Or has he? Well. Oh. Ah. <laughs> no. It's, so he hasn't been awful. 
He's clearly done some good things, but there have been some people who have been coming out and saying, it's funny this, right? Loads of people slag him off until he does something. Then he does something that is good and people go, ah, yeah, but it's not good, is it? Right? Because loads of people have come out and said, for every one good thing he's done, I can find you a bad thing that he's done. They've said he's playing us. He's playing us all. He's like giving the farmers what they want to hear. He's giving the greenies what they want to hear. And it's all because he's a cynical Machiavellian toad, they say. They say. They say. Um, and so, okay. So what's he done that the farmers want to Well, do so then? neonicotinoids are to be banned. Mm-hmm. The farmers but don't want that. Farmers don't want that. Farmers are all knocked off about that. Although I was hearing that, you know, even your farmers are going, all right, fair enough, right, these days. But he uh, does support a renewal of the European use of an horrible pesticide. Pesticide. Pesticide, which is uh, called glyphosate. 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 (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Which is also horrible for your bees. Yes. More commonly known as Roundup. Well, it's the active ingredient in Roundup, which Ah. is a thing that Monsanto santo make who are as evil as it comes them lot um and yeah reckons to well probably causes cancer there is a lot of dispute about that but that is what a un agency says they say it probably causes cancer they don't say it definitely does but yeah he's very quietly just gone and said yep do that and what he's also quietly gone and done is authorize more badger deaths than anyone has ever authorized before Thirty thousand badgers to be culled this year. I think I think they may have already started. Um, no one seems to be writing about it, but that is more than previous thingamajigs. And you know, there's plenty of science that says that's stupid. Uh, so he's he's just a very capable politician, isn't he? And I guess one one thing is that the environment movement are not used to having capable politicians because the environment has traditionally been a job for the incapable. <laughs> politicians so we're not used to having to kind of watch over both shoulders simultaneously but it does appear that he's um he's talking out both sides of his face can i get any more body analogies in oh yes let's let's delve deeply into michael <laughs> goes body analogies oh goodness can i ask a favor mr chairman um you very kindly provide me with some water will you excuse me for a second <laughs> and i'll come back and carry on answering questions but here's the thing, oh, right? I'll take it. I'll take it. I mean, you're absolutely spot on, right? After years and years and years on environment secretaries that went out of their way to call greenies things like the green blob. Mm. And Owen Patterson. Owen was, Patterson, wasn't it? yeah. Oh, a nasty piece of work. And, uh, who like, actually thought that an environment secretary who actually thought charities that were campaigning to protect the environment were actually evil. I mean, actually what he thought. They were just in it for the money. I'm not making this up, right? Or an environment secretary who had to be told what trees do, um, apparently, which is... Who was that? Andrew Lidson, the previous one, who just had no interest in this whatsoever and was just bunged into it, as far as anyone can tell, just to kind of, like, you know, put a bum on the seat, right? So, it, uh, you know, it is nice. Frankly, I'll take being played off as a side against another side because previously we weren't a side at all. Like, no, one, no one was interested in us in the slightest. It was like, hello, we're an organisation that would like to save the planet. Ow! Ow! (laughs) That is what used to happen. (laughs) I will take it as well. And one of the reasons I'll take it is because allegedly uh, one of the reasons he's backed this ban is because he was profoundly shocked 
by the stuff what we were profoundly shocked by. You mean it's the Babble What one? Yeah, <laughs> Babble What. Yeah, we were talking a couple of episodes about, ago about how all the insects are gone. Oh, you're all gold. Yeah, no, that's, and I'm, I'm trying not... I genuinely have been told to just stop talking and thinking about this stuff because it doesn't help me or anyone else. So I'm trying to do that. But um, he, he has been on the record as saying it was very worrying and, and he was apparently shocked by it. And um, I mean, that's basically the argument he's making now. He's just saying this stuff is unacceptable. You like, you, you know, pollinators, insects, they're too important. If, if the science is right, then we've got to take precautions. And that sounds remarkably like a sort of sensible human reaction to right, stuff. It? And it's very odd. I mean, the, there's still a big part of me that thinks we're being massively played, that there's, there's something not happening, but I can't, I haven't got evidence for that. And at the moment we're forced to take it. Well, that was indeed Trez Bonol. Right, shall we go back to Bon? Bon, yeah, less Trez, but more Bon. Here's Rachel again. So, Rachel, um, I was speaking earlier this week to a journalist who had just come back from Bon, and he had mm. this kind of weird look in his eyes, like as if he'd just been to the most boring thing in the world. Right? And he said to me, he said, all the journalists, he said, Dave, they've all come home because it's so bloody boring and there's yeah, nothing to I write about. Seen the journalist. Yeah. So um, is it, I really want to know, what's it like? What's it, what, what do you do all day? Like what, you know, history's going to tell the story of these great pivotal talks where we all sat around and great leaders did wonderful things. But what's, what do you do? What's it like? It's, it's really surreal and really boring. But really, like, I'm so glad you said that. I've always yeah. assumed it's really boring, but but that seemed a bit rude. But also, yeah, like super boring, super surreal, super like really intense. Um, and everybody is. You've got like oh, I don't even know how many people are on on the campus at the moment, but you've got like tens of thousands of people all running about, completely obsessed with the like tiny little things like whether a country said should or shall when they made their inter interventions and um you know becoming completely obsessed with this world wasn't there a huge argument in the copenhagen talks around a comma didn't a comma create loads and loads of problems like the comma was accidentally put in the wrong bit of the sentence and for like a whole day everyone lost their shit about it. <laughs> yeah, that's entirely standard and like <laughs> It is literally like I have been in negotiating sessions where they've just got a Word document up on a massive screen and they're going through and editing it letter by comma by word with 197 countries. Oh, my God. So what 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 is it that, that you're doing there? So you've got all of these these officials and these, you know, kind of semi-important people, presumably on a bit of a diplomatic kind of jolly. I'm sure there's an element of that. Born in November. <laughs> uh, yeah okay fair enough it's not Cancun is it I remember the yeah. Cancun one lots of people wanted to go to Cancun funny that <laughs> and this one's hosted by Fiji oh poor Fiji. Fiji hang on where's Bon <laughs> Bon's in Germany I don't understand <laughs> I know um, so, the, so the Fijian said would you like to come to our party and everyone went yeah hell yeah and they said good it's in Bon yeah <laughs> um yeah, so I'm here with an international delegation from around the Friends of the Earth International Network. Um, so there's probably about, I don't know, 
20 of us here at kind of when we're at peak numbers. Um, and I personally am doing a lot of uh, policy tracking. So I spend a lot of time sat in those incredibly technical, tedious meetings, writing verbatim notes about what Costa Rica has said and why Saudi Arabia is pissed off with Australia and things like that. But the reason I'm doing that and why it's why it is important is that as kind of, you know, as observers in this process and as civil society, we can sometimes push the or nudge the the talks back on track. So while I'm inside, I'm working with other people to push to make it, you know, the process as good as possible, to make it as fair as possible, as equitable as possible, um, and as successful as possible. But while I'm outside, I'm using those and my understanding of that process and the connections I've made in that space to try and force the government to do what it needs to do in the UK to bring down emissions, to make sure we're providing the right amount of climate finance or finance for other countries so that they can bring down emissions. Um, and providing kind of all the other input that we need to, to make this a fair, you know, make sure we tackle climate change fairly and successfully. Or I just, you know, the other way of looking at that is I go to a lot of meetings and then whinge about the tea being awful and uh, all I've eaten for days is like bread and cheese. Oh, just, just like being in London then? <laughs> I at least have access to vegetables in London. <laughs> So, I suppose the thing that I would really like explained to me in very simple terms, because I am a bear of extremely limited brain, is this. What, like, if it's gone well, if you've all avoided scurvy and you've come home and everyone said, ah, it was all right, that bond, considering that went all right, what's happened? What, what, like, what is going well? What does going well look like? Okay, so best case scenario, what the, what the intention from this this COP is is that we have. Um, so this this isn't a decision making talks. What? Decision, yeah, I know. This two is two weeks just, to not make a decision. <laughs> Are you <laughs> shitting me? Climate change. So, oh God. No, we're gonna we're gonna sort that out next year. Oh, uh, next year. Oh, yeah. 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 Next year. So what what's happening now is they're laying the ground. They're doing you know as negotiations take so long and they'll be working all through 2018 to make sure that kind of they're in kind of the right place by December 2018 to agree anything. And so best case scenario is we come out of this two weeks with basically a load of headings that will say roughly what is going to be agreed further down the line in 2018 in all these different agenda items that will have a structure that will have some sort of context that parties that all parties are willing to keep working on um that's the best case scenario so yeah so is it is it like in paris a couple of years ago everyone agreed that they're all going to club together and buy a house and then they've just spent like two weeks in bonn working out whether or not they're going to club together to buy curtains yeah, but also having extensive discussions about what type of curtains and putting all the different, like all the parties will have slightly different requirements for the curtains. And so they'll put that all out on the table and they'll talk about it extensively for two weeks. And some like 
America and the EU will get really pissed off with uh, a load of uh, poorer countries um, because the poorer countries don't want to compromise because it turns out the Kirsten's is actually kind of life and death for them. <laughs> uh, worst case scenario, I suppose, is uh, it could be it could be twofold. Uh, worst case scenario could be that we don't get any of those sort of structural outputs that enable negotiations to continue next year. So everything just gets pushed further and further down the line, which means there's more and more reasons for people not to start acting on climate change now. Um, or the other, that sounds bad. That's bad. Like delaying probably isn't something we should be doing much of. Um, and the other way that the other worst case scenario is that we get an unfair, we get, we get something out of this two weeks, like a structure or, you know, context, but one that's deeply, deeply unequitable and unfair. So something that just really disadvantages some countries massively compared to other countries. Rachel, thank you so much for taking time out from... What were you doing? You were eating pizza in a bathroom or something when we called you? Yeah, was yeah. I was, uh, the, my roommate was uh, taking calls in the main room, so I was eating my tea on the bathroom floor. And that is the glamour of international climate talks. If people want to find out more about what you're up to and follow you, how can they do that then? So they can follow me on Twitter. I'm at, at RJKennelly on Twitter. And I, I'm mainly tweeting about uh, tea and climate change <laughs> at the moment. Um, some stuff about what the COP has done to both my skin and uh, my laptop. Uh, which are now held together with electrical tape. Uh, yeah. Good. Um, Rachel, thank you so much for talking to us and uh, and good luck with it all. We'll see you on the other side. Thanks. Bye. Bye. So that is just about it for another episode of Babel 95 in the can. We've got to start planning this party. It's kids remarkably soon. Indeed. So thank you all for all of your luxurious brilliance. And thank you to Rachel Kennelly for putting down the pizza for a second, getting out of the bathroom and babbling with us all the way from Bonn. Thank you to the legendary Dickie Moore the music that starts and ends this podcast oh and thank you to arabella even though we haven't spoken to arabella for ages but i just wanted to remind people that arabella is a thing arabella is a thing she did a lovely drawing for baby all the other day and it was well nice so we will get arabella back right if you want to get in touch with us do please send us an email at hello at sustainababble.fish or you can get on the old Twitter at the Babble Wagon. See, I remember the handle, Dave. Yes. Uh, or just search for us on Facebook. Uh, Sustainable is all just all you need to search for. Um, and do look if you like the Babble, give us a wee review and a five star review thingy on all of your mediums of choice. It does make a big difference. So please do that. That'd be lovely, lovely, lovely. And we will be back next week, won't we? Up. We will. In the meantime, I'm going to go and draw up an agreement to have a contract to maybe consider one day having a discussion about whether or not I'm going to continue doing a podcast with you potentially one day, maybe. <laughs> Very good. I'm just, I'll just quit before you even finish. Right, bye. Bye.